Welcome to Park Ave Baptist Church Podcast. A weekly broadcast of our Sunday sermon. I'm Himra Chanel, pastor of community engagement and stewardship. And I'm Darcy Jarrett, pastor of worship, advocacy, and arts. Park Ave is a bold, inclusive, and creative community where everyone is welcome. We uplift voices and identities that are marginalized elsewhere. We affirm all ethnicities, racial identities, ages, socioeconomic groups, gender identities, and sexual orientations because we hold to a theology that refuses to other anyone. At Park Ave, our leadership model is non-hierarchical. And we practice an open pulpit where you will hear a multiplicity of theologically trained voices from different backgrounds and social locations. We don't just preach and talk about deconstructing systems and structures of power. We We practice practice it. Through this podcast, we hope you will be inspired, encouraged, and challenged. Listen Listen with with us now. Park Avenue Baptist Church, in response to COVID-19, has suspended in-person worship, but that can't stop us. What you'll hear on this podcast is a recording of our online worship, which happens each Sunday at 10 a.m. Join us through our Facebook, at Park Ave Baptist, or our Instagram, at Park Ave Baptist. We hope that you stay safe in these difficult times. Let us bow our heads in prayer. God of all possibilities, we come now in this time and this litten journey, and I'm sure many of us are feeling unrest, and, uh, and we can surely say that this is a time of uncertainty. Um, but we know as followers of Christ that the world is still in the palm of your hand, that you are a God that is still present, a God that knows the flight and the motions of the sparrow. So we come confident knowing in the fact that you too know us, that you are a God that is still in control, that you are a God that is still worthy to be praised. As a people, we come still knowing that you are a God that is in the business of healing, um, the business of protecting, the business of love. And for that, we are grateful. We come also to lift a prayer for those who we are uh, staying in prayer for and grateful for those who are on the front lines of this crisis. We pray for those who are uh, doctors and nurses and hospital staff, policemen and teachers, um, those who are even looking to find a vaccination. We come praying for them and we are grateful for them. We pray for our leaders, give them wisdom, give them wise discernment, give them the spirit of collaboration, uh, give them the insight to choose people over politics. And we pray for those who have in this time lost loved ones. God, may your spirit of peace and healing be with them. May you comfort them in this time. May they be provided with the support that they need to move forward. And God, we ask a special prayer. We pray too for this church. We pray for the members of this body and the visitors who are on this online call with us. Uh, Protect them. Keep them safe. We pray for their families. And in all of this, we pray in Jesus' name, the Prince of Peace, and all of God's people say, amen. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. They let me rest in grassy meadows. They lead me to restful waters. They keep me alive. They guide me in proper paths for the sake of his good name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no danger because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they protect me. You sit a table for me. You set a table for me right in front of my enemies. You bathe my head in oil. 
my cup is full and it spills over. Yes, goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house as long as I live. May we bless the reading of the word. Amen. Here now is scripture reading the words from 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 1 through 13. The Lord said to Samuel, how long are you going to grieve over Saul? I've rejected him as king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and get going. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem because I have found my next king among his sons. How can I do that? Samuel asked. When Saul hears of it, he'll kill me. Take a heifer with you, the Lord replied, and say, I have come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will make clear to you what you should do. You will anoint for me the person I point out to you. Samuel did what the Lord instructed. When he came to Bethlehem, the city elders came to meet him. They were shaking with fear. Do you come in peace? They asked. Yes, Samuel answered. I've come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Now make yourselves holy and come with me to the sacrifice. Samuel made Jesse and his sons holy and invited them to the sacrifice as well. When they arrived, Samuel looked at Eliab and thought, that must be the Lord's anointed right in front. But the Lord said to Samuel, have no regard for his appearance or stature, because I haven't selected him. God doesn't look at things like humans do. Humans see only what is visible to the eyes, but the Lord sees into the heart. Next, Jesse called for Abinadab, who presented himself to Samuel. But he said, the Lord hasn't chosen this one either. So Jesse presented Shema, but Samuel said, no. The Lord hasn't chosen this one. Jesse presented seven of his sons to Samuel, but Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord hasn't picked any of these. Then Samuel asked Jesse, is that all of your boys? They're still the youngest one, Jesse answered, but he's out keeping the sheep. Send for him, Samuel told Jesse, because we can't proceed until he gets here. So Jesse sent and brought him in. He was reddish brown, had beautiful eyes, and was good looking. The Lord said, that's the one. Go anoint him. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him right there in front of his brothers. The Lord's spirit came over David from that point forward. Then Samuel left and went to Ramah. The word of God for the people of God. Amen. Good morning, friends. How good it is to be with all of you here this morning. And I have to say, as, I was, as I'm watching everybody on the Zoom, um, I became a little overwhelmed. Uh, and it is a reminder to me that at the end of the day, the church is not the building where we meet, but is the people with whom we gather. Uh, and that has never been more, I've never been more aware of that uh, than I have been in this last week. Over this last week, we have all had to figure out how we're going to navigate this time of distancing ourselves from one another physically, while also trying to figure out how to stay connected to each other. And I'm so grateful to both members and ministers at Park Ave who have worked to put all of this together um, over the last week. Uh, they put it together very quickly and are providing many ways for us to connect. So make sure you connect with them, look at our website, look at our Facebook page. Um, they'll make sure that you know how to get in touch. So here we are in the fourth week of Lent, and many of us have found ourselves giving up a lot more for Lent than we intended to during this season of fasting. 
This week, the lectionary reading from the Hebrew scriptures brings us to the story of Samuel anointing David to be the next king of Israel, who was at the time merely a child and the youngest son of Jesse from Bethlehem. This story sets in motion a 400-year family monarchy for the house of Israel, and it identifies for us the lineage that eventually brings us Jesus of Nazareth. It's kind of a big moment in scripture. Often when we read this story, the familiarity of verse 7 will jump out to us. It says, God doesn't look at things like humans do. Humans only see what is visible to the eyes, but the Lord sees into the heart. And Lindsay, thank you so much for your children's moment. Um, that's exactly kind of where we're headed today. Uh, David was the youngest and smallest of his brothers. He did not fit the picture of what a king was supposed to be. Now, before we dig into our story for today, we need to know a little bit about what is happening and how Samuel found himself at Jesse's place ready to anoint David. So Saul was the first king of Israel. Before Saul became king, the Israelites had been nomads who were loosely formed in tribes and they traveled around with one another and they were each governed by their own local judges. When the nations around them began to feel more like a threatening presence, the Israelites asked God for a king. And through the prophet Samuel, God warned that a king was not a good idea. Even still, the people insisted, and so God chose Saul to be king. He was chosen not only because he was a man of great stature, he was very tall, head and shoulders above everyone, but he was also considered to be a humble man. Saul's reign started out well. He was a successful leader of the army and the people loved him. He was a popular king. Eventually, the trappings of power and authority muted Saul's humility and he gave over to disobedience. In chapter 15, we read that God regrets making Saul king because of his disobedience and so rejects him as king. God tells this to Samuel who is deeply grieved by the news and ends up in a very heated conversation with Saul, which ends up being the last time the two of them see each other. Because of these events, Samuel grieves deeply. I can only imagine how everything felt broken in his world. Everything he had worked for had fallen apart. He had been Saul's right-hand man. He had anointed him to be king, and he had walked with him as he figured out how to be king. Now he is let down, betrayed, and disappointed that Saul did not live up to be the king he had hoped he would be. Now, eventually, as we heard in the text that Naretha read for us earlier, God asks Samuel how long he would grieve. God never judges Samuel for his grief and, and even his despair. 
God seems to understand that Saul's reaction to these events is understandable and warranted. It is into this space, into this time of grief and uncertainty that God helps Samuel see another way forward. God tells Samuel to go to Jesse the Bethlehemite to find a king among his sons. After God addresses Samuel's concerns with this particular assignment, he goes. We learn that even the men of Bethlehem questioned Samuel's motives. Remember, Saul was a popular king. News of Saul and Samuel's disagreement probably had already made it to them. After assuring them that his business would not cause any trouble, Samuel makes it to Jesse's home for a sacrificial meal. And then what follows is this very weird kind of parade of Jesse's sons who seem to be auditioning for the role of king, like Cinderella's sisters tried on the glass slipper before to get a chance to marry the prince. Samuel takes one look at Eliab, the oldest son, and is certain that this is the guy. But God says, not him. And the second son comes and God says, not him. A third comes and again, God says, no. In all, seven sons come to be seen and all seven are rejected. Samuel is told, that this is because God looks at the heart while humans look at the outward appearance. Samuel asked Jesse if there are other sons. They have to go out to the field to get David where he is tending the sheep. You see, David wasn't even invited to be at the table to begin with because no one really thought he belonged there. Now, if we have paid attention to our biblical narrative at all, we will not be surprised that God chooses the most unexpected choice. So far, God has seemed to make it a habit of giving power to different people than to whom the world chooses to give power. You see, in that world, the eldest brother had the power, but God was always helping out the youngest one. And in that world, Pharaoh had the power, but, but God helped the enslaved Israelites. And in that world, you needed to be an insider to have any power, but God often sent in outsiders like Ruth and Rahab to help balance out the power in those communities. And then in today's story, according to the pecking order of that world, Eliab, the oldest son, should have been anointed king. But God said, no. We're going to give it to David, who is the least likely that you would expect. And so David is anointed king right there in front of the other seven brothers who had previously been rejected. Like Samuel, we find ourselves in a time of uncertainty and fear. Y'all, we have no idea how long we're going to have to practice this physical distancing from one another. 
Many of us don't trust our leaders to handle this crisis well. And we all, all of us have loved ones who are in those at-risk categories, and some of us are in those categories too. This is a scary time. It is okay to feel afraid, to feel uncertain, and to be disappointed. It's okay to be frustrated if you just can't find toilet paper. It's okay to be sad that you had to cancel your spring break trip or special time with family. It's okay to be afraid if you can't visit your loved ones in a nursing home or in the prison or in a hospital because of quarantine restrictions. It's okay if you find yourself overwhelmed by the enormity of all of it. Our lives are changed. All of these experiences and feelings and responses are appropriate, just like it was for Samuel to feel so much grief when Saul was no longer fit to be king. And just like with Samuel, God will be in it with us. When we feel stir crazy and pop off at the loved one we're quarantined with, God is with us. When we are tempted to bend the rules just a little bit, God will be with us. When we want to help, but we have no idea how to, God is with us. If we develop symptoms, God will be with us too in that. And when we are so overwhelmed that we collapse in a heap on our beds, God is there. At the end of chapter 15, we see that God was just as grieved as Samuel about Saul. And then in 16, God offers Samuel a way forward with something new just like God always offers us a way forward to something new, a new way to see, a new avenue to pursue, new possibilities to unearth. When Adam and Eve ate from the tree, God gave them clothes and a new way to live life. When the Israelites were enslaved, God made a way for the people to leave. And then when they had no food in the wilderness, God provided. When the people were afraid of their neighbors, God made a pathway for a king. And when that monarchy fell, the people who were exiled in Babylon, God sent them a prophets to help them see how to live well in their new life. In their new lives. So I wonder, in this time that we find ourselves in, what new ways forward can we discover God inviting us into? It may be different for each and every one of us. Is God showing you ways to slow your life down, giving you time to relearn how to choose better for you and your family? Is God pointing you to help provide for a need somewhere that before you had no idea even existed? Is God challenging you to share your gifts through the wonders of social media to bring joy to others? Where is God pointing you forward? 
to help you navigate this challenging time that we are all trying to figure out how to weather together. You know, it's important to point out that in this story, anointing David did not make him king immediately. His rise to power was no simple or easy journey. Saul was a popular king and taking his place was, well, frankly, impossible uh, when he was alive. Eventually, though, Saul died and David assumed the throne. His time as king was fraught with both wins and losses, and it was constantly influenced by the turmoil in which it began. He, like Saul, fell captive to the trappings of power and conquering and became too comfortable. In many ways, we could describe David as a scoundrel. And yet, that other text that uh, the Pastor Henra read for us earlier, Psalm 23, yeah, that one's attributed to David. This is a psalm that we often go to and want to hear when we need to be comforted. And no doubt, David found comfort in those words himself. David was an unlikely king to begin with because he didn't look like a king. Later, his role as king is frustrating because he makes some pretty poor choices. But that is how God tends to work. God looks for things differently than we do. God chooses the outsider, the one who doesn't seem to fit the part, the one who will change how things are done, and sometimes the one who seems kind of untrustworthy. And, and I wonder if in that, perhaps, there's something that we can know about where God is pointing us in this time of change and uncertainty. Look for God to call those who were not given power by our society and our culture. Look for God's work in unexpected places and with unexpected people. Look for God to call you to unexpected things because this is how God so often works. And maybe in this unprecedented time, God is calling us to unprecedented faith. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Park Avenue Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to worship with us in person, our services are on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m.-ish. We are at 486 Park Ave in Southeast Atlanta, across the street from Grant Park, at the corner of Park Ave and Sydney Street. To find out more about us or get in touch, visit our website at parkavebaptist.com. Now go into a world that is too often unjust. Knowing that the God that created you loves you. And empowers you to love boldly, live inclusively, and serve creatively. Thank you.